and thank you for listening to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee. Please join us for worship Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11.05. This week's sermon is called A Saint and was based on Revelation 7, 13-14 and was preached by Pastor Copen. The text for the message today comes from our first reading from the book of Revelation, especially these verses from St. John. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who come out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Let us pray. Gracious God, your word gives us a glimpse around your throne. And in that moment, we have comfort and we have peace. Knowing you and your precious promises of forgiveness and eternal life. And may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, today is All Saints Day. Are you a saint? Well, are you? I mean, do you write the word saint in front of your name when you sign things? I mean, do you introduce yourself, uh, hello, I'm Saint uh, so-and-so? Uh, Most of us would like to think that'd be a little bit too presumptuous, right, to call ourselves a saint, because we know just how unsaintly we are. Why? Well, when we think of a saint, we think of really more the heavyweights of Christianity, right? Uh, A saint, uh, someone like maybe Mother Teresa, who who you go and live in a third world country somewhere and you dedicate your life to helping others. Now that is a saint, (laughs) Or maybe the Apostle Peter or the Apostle Paul. I mean, those guys are saints. I mean, they're really good people, uh, champions of Christianity, shining examples of the world about what it means to be a Christian. But, but me? Or you? A saint? Come on. We're not saint material, are we? Now, just imagine if we had a, a committee here at church called the Saint Commute- Committee, right? And it was their job to determine if you should be called a saint. And so they go into your house when you're not home. They set up hidden cameras, microphones all around your house. They set up uh, equipment at your work and and bug your phone so they can listen to your conversations. They follow you around and uh, take pictures of you and take notes on everything you say and do. Uh, Just like Alexa today. Uh, Then then after they're gathering all that information, they meet as a committee and the chairman says, well... (laughs) What have you learned about Carl or, or Michael or, or, or Todd or, or Kathy? Uh, I mean, is, is that person a saint? What do you think they would say after observing the lives of any of us closely? One of them might offer it up pretty quickly. <laughs> he's no saint. I've listened to his conversations. I've watched what he does. He's not a saint. Without a doubt, he is a sinner. Do you think that's what the committee would say about you? Pretty sure that's what they would say about me. And it's true, we are sinners. We have more than earned that title in our lives. I mean, if everything uh, was taped and we were watched every day, uh, we might be embarrassed by what other people would see in our lives. We know that God knows everything about us, what we say, what we think, what we do, and frankly, that's scary and embarrassing. There's no way God could think otherwise. We are no saints. We are sinners. Everyone is sinful. Even the so-called good people 
They've got skeletons in their closet. No one deserves to be called a saint. Yet the strange thing is, God does call us saints. The word saint appears in the Bible over 60 times. Every single time it's used, it refers to those Christians uh, uh, who are Christians, but interestingly, not necessarily those who think of themselves as good and holy. In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, uh, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints. He begins his letters to the Corinthians in the same way. And we know all too well the church in Corinth had so many issues to deal with. They could hardly be called model Christians. I mean, the congregation was divided according to their pastor. There was sexual immorality. There was drunkenness at church gatherings. There were claims of superiority uh, over others because some claimed to have greater and more important gifts from the Holy Spirit. And there were, there were even lawsuits between members of the church. And yet, in spite of all this, Paul's opening words, to the church of God in Corinth, to those called to be saints. Maybe if he wrote a letter to our church, he would write to the people of God at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Kankakee, Bradley, and Bourbon A, to all who are loved by God and called to be saints. It's good to remember this because we can be so hard on the church and the people who make up the church There are a lot of times people drop out of church because all they can see are sinners in a congregation. People with all kinds of problems, people with difficult or or different personalities, people with any kind of pet sins that they find hard to kick. Uh, People who seem to specialize in stepping on other people's toes. I mean, if that's all that God could see when he looks at us, he'd have every right to drop us like a hot potato because he knows about our sin. And he doesn't give up on us. So why in the world does Paul use saint when so freely discussing about sinful Christians? How does a person become a saint in the eyes of God? The answer is in our reading today from the book of Revelation. Here you have a picture of the saints in heaven gathered around the throne of God. In verse 9, there is this huge crowd, so big that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language on the earth wearing white robes, holding palm branches, praising God in heaven with the angels. Verse 13, someone asks, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? And 14, here's the key verse. These are the people, these are they, who who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, that's the secret of how a person becomes a saint, washing their robes and making them white in the blood of the Lamb. Your robe is really your life, isn't it? Uh, The Bible talks about our robes sometimes, our clothes uh, uh, covered in dirt, the dirt of every sinful thought, word, and action, so filthy that no amount of of Tide or even OxyClean can get rid of the stain. There's really only one way. Your robe of life can be made as white as snow, cleansed. That is in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. At the beginning of our service, we confessed our sins to God. After confessing our sins, what happened? We received the assurance that our sins have been forgiven. It wasn't a fuzzy statement about how nice God is and how he loves everyone and really doesn't take sin seriously, so pat you on the back and there you go. No, forgiveness of sins you received is special because the forgiveness that God gives is costly. 
The high cost was the life of his son on the cross. In 1 John 1, 7, the Bible says, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us or cleanses us from all our sin. We believe this, we put our faith in it. In the eyes of God, as his forgiven children, we are saints. To be sure, we'll still be sinners while we walk this earth. But as far as God is concerned, we're also saints, people who have been cleansed from their sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, a saint is someone who realizes that they are a sinner, repents of that sin, and believes that the blood of Jesus Christ takes away that sin. You know, sacraments are a good reminder of God's forgiveness, and and they also bring forgiveness. And in the waters of baptism, what happened? God cleanses us from our sin, connecting us to the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And we receive Holy Communion. We eat and drink the bread and wine, and also the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His life, given and shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins. And in that moment, your robe is white, washed in the blood of the Lamb. You and I are saints in the eyes of God. I mean, it's not because something that we have done. It's not, it's, it's not something that we've done that's so good that somehow makes up for all the bad that we do. It really, it's quite the opposite. It is because Jesus has done something so good for us by giving his life for us on the cross. Maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you're not convinced that God could accept a sinner like you, especially if you're feeling guilty over something that you feel is unforgivable. Listen closely. Be certain of this promise of your Heavenly Father. Through Jesus' life, through his death, through his resurrection, through his sacrifice for your sins on the cross, he is calling you to faith. Faith in what he has done for you. Even that faith is a gift from him through word and sacrament. It's that promise, it's that assurance that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from your sin. In the CC countryside in, in Italy, uh, like much of Europe in the 1200s, <clears throat> it was sort of dotted with little chapels and churches and abbeys, a lot of times dedicated to one kind of saint or another. Uh, some had a lot of money, uh, some did not, and they were neglected. Uh, and many had a priest who was dependent upon the generosity of the, the locals to sustain him and the church. A little uh, less than a mile below Assisi was such a church. It was guarded by olive trees, had a sweeping view of the wheat fields and the plain below. The church <laughs> wasn't great. It was in disrepair. The, the walls were crumbling all around it. Uh, uh, the priest sort of eked out in existence. He didn't have enough money even to buy oil, uh, to let, a, let, uh, uh, let alone a lamp to burn uh, continually in the church. And so on one of his walks uh, uh, that day, Francis uh, of Assisi stepped into the chapel uh, and made his way to the front to pray. Uh, now, we don't know how long he prayed or exactly what he said is, is unclear, but sometime in the middle of that prayer, he felt Christ speaking to him, saying, Francis, go and repair my house, which you can see is being destroyed. Frankly, up to this point, he never experienced that kind of communication. He was more than a little stunned. Uh, one of his biographers notes that he was trembling, stuttering, stuttering, like a man out of his senses, I guess I would be too, uh, uh, he pulled himself up from his prayer, uh, pulled himself together, and vowed to, to follow that command as quickly and as 
literally as he knew how. And so he, he got those tools. He got masonry and mortar and trowels and other supplies and began repairing the church in which he had been praying. But it's interesting that he was also the key figure in the revival of the church, the repair of the larger church that was racked with moral corruption from the top to the bottom. He was able, at least for a time, to stem the tide of immorality. But it's interesting to note how he began to do that. He started with what was right in front of him. A lot of times, I think, we as the people of God wish that we can just go out and change the whole world. And who knows, maybe we're called to eventually do that. But we're wiser to follow the, the example of Francis, right? To do that simple thing, that little thing that's right in front of us. Maybe Jesus, Jesus put, puts us to, that we are faithful in those small things to we'll be faithful in larger things. And so to do that simple thing in front of us, maybe it's just in our lives or in our own family. You are a saint. And it follows that in response to that, we strive to live like saints, like his children. And that's a tough call uh, as sinners and saints. But let us desire to live like our Savior. Let us show that love. Let us show that forgiveness. Let us show that compassion and understanding in, in, in the relationships that are closest to us, in those relationships that are around us, in the people that we work with. Let us start with those little things, the simple things that are right in front of us each day. See, that's a challenge that God throws out to us. My friends, you've been called to be saints. Strive to be who you are. We know how often we fail to live up to that calling. Without hesitation, we can say, well, you know, I am a sinner. It's not a secret to anyone who knows me, but also I'm a saint because Christ has taken away my sins and I'm a saint only because of Jesus. And so are you. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To find this and other sermons, please go to stpaulslutheran.net and click on the Sermons button at the top of the page. God's blessings from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee.